Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, AKA your friendly neighborhood fangirl. Once upon a time. Usually when you hear these four words together, it's the beginning of a story, more likely a fairy tale or a bedtime story. For me, those four words together created the title of an ABC series that changed my life. Once Upon a Time is a seven season drama series about fairy tales in the modern world that ran from 2011 until 2018. If you met me or knew me during that time, you heard me talking about this series. Most of that time, I was really involved with the online fandom community on Twitter. It was another world that most people in my life had no understanding of. Over the course of the next few episodes, I will be looking back at my time with the Once Upon a Time fandom with friends I made along the way. The course of this journey didn't always run smooth, but it helped shape the fangirl I am today. Before we get started, a couple of disclaimers. First, for listeners who have never watched Once Upon a Time, there will be some spoilers ahead about different plot points and character relationships. However, the point of these episodes is more to highlight the online fandom, not necessarily a critical deep dive on the series. But still, this is your official spoiler alert. Second, for listeners who have watched Once Upon a Time, as you know, Once Upon a Time was made up of many different characters with all sorts of ships within that. My experience of the series was heavily based on my involvement with the Captain Swan fandom, the Emma Swan Captain Hook ship. And so my guess, while they range in age and location, they are also mainly coming from that side of the fandom. Once Upon a Time is too vast to get into every single ship and subgroup within the fandom, but all of those stories deserve to be heard. So if you're from the Rumbell, Snowing, Outlaw Queen, even Swan Queen ship who feel like their experience of the series is not fully told here in these podcast episodes, I would encourage you to please share your stories. People need to hear your side of the fandom. Speaking of guests, as always, I'm not alone. There's a lot of great guests joining me today. Some have been on Fangirl Forum before, others first-time guests. I love them all dearly. Meet my friends and fellow fangirls. We have nerdy girl notes herself, Katie. Hi, everyone. And we have Geesini Sophia, head of Marvelous Geeks. Hello. Hi. The girly nerd, Marianne. Great to see you again. Lizzie from Fangirlish. Hi. Your Money Geeks, Maggie. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Temple of Geeks, Maddie. Thank you for having me. Representing the Brazilian Oncers, Manuela. Thank you for inviting me. I have the Rizzo sisters, Lena and Marisa. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And I also have my dear uh, British (laughs) J-Mo representing the British Oncers, Philippa. And last but not least, my friend, Laura. Hey. 
Without further ado, let's begin part one. Welcome to Storybrooke. When you think of Once Upon a Time, what pops into your head? Disney. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was just the first like reason I even like started watching the show was that there's actually going to be like a modern TV show about fairy tales like that Mm -hmm. wasn't done before. I feel like, yeah, grown up, grown up fairy tales, like making it okay kind of showing the world like hey see we've we've been into grown-up fairy tales for a while now you're going to come along on on the journey with us and I think also like redefining the concept of a happy ending once upon a time you know had a very I'm going to say I don't want to say convoluted but complicated plots but what I remember mostly is just the characters because all of the main ones and even a lot of the guest stars I think were very very well defined I would like the storyline to pop into my head, you know, the what should pop in your head. I think when you ask anyone else, once upon a time, you'll think of, oh yeah, the storyline, normal. No, for me, I think it's fans and conventions and just memories and Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> social media, <laughs> things that really most people wouldn't notice unless you're part of the fandom. Captain Swan, because that was like the bulk of my my fandom engagement revolved around Captain Swan. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is definitely Captain Swan. <laughs> that was like my main ship and the main relationship that I was falling through the years. I think for me, it's Once Upon a Time is so tied up in the idea of what it means to be part of a fandom for me. Like it's the most involved I have ever been in a fandom and I have a feeling will probably ever be in a fandom. Like all good stories, we have to start at the beginning. Once Upon a Time is a melodrama series created by Lost alum Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis. Its cast includes Jennifer Morrison, Jennifer Goodwin, Josh Dallas, Lana Perea, Jared Gilmore, Colin O'Donohue, Robert Carlyle, Emily DeRaven, Sean McGuire, and Rebecca Mater. A brief synopsis. All of the fairy tale characters you know and love lived in the enchanted forest, but were cursed to live in our world with their memories and happy endings taken from them. After being separated from her family and home at birth, the daughter of Snow White and Prince Charming reunites with her son in order to break a curse and bring back the happy endings. And that's just season one. From there, new realms and characters are introduced, family lineages get a bit more complicated, dramatic character deaths, epic love stories, and a timeline that makes no sense. It was a lot. In fact, if you go to the series page on Disney+, Plus. Its genre is listed as soap opera, and it kind of makes sense, but for the majority of its run, I couldn't get enough. Here's how I discovered Once Upon a Time. So my story with Once Upon a Time, um, I didn't start watching it until like, I think there were about four or five episodes in because um, my sister and my dad had watched it, which my sister's name, Emma, who's born on October 23rd. And watch wow. the pilot on her birthday. So like wow. there was already a lot there. And um, 
they recommended it to me. And then one of my classmates recommended it to me. And then, so those were like, I watched it on ABC's website. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there I stuck with it and, um, yeah, I think it was right before episode five. And then I was like consistent watching it, uh, week to week, but yeah. Um, I wasn't there day one, but I was close to it. It turns out I wasn't alone in finding the series and being completely hooked by it. Really from the first moments of the pilot I was in, like Jennifer Goodwin, Josh Dallas, like that chemistry hooked me immediately. I was in, I was sold. Seeing this character immediately be somebody who draws a sword and has a personality and has you know a fire to her I was like I like this one Mm -hmm. and I mean for me like the rest was history from there like the entire journey of for as much as I loved Emma the entire journey of me as a once upon a time fan was through snow like I loved her immediately and then it just snowballed from there no pun intended It's okay if some pun was intended. Some pun was intended. There we go. (laughs) I actually have a really funny story about this. So I only discovered it in the break between season three and season four. Um, And so like, yeah, I was, I was really late to the party and I've binge watched seasons one, one through three, and then started watching from four, like with everybody. Um, But my mum had been going on about it for years to me I think they showed seasons one and two on the tv in the UK and they were the only ones that they ever showed here um, until it kind of came to Netflix but my mum was like look there's this show I watch it's all about Disney fairy tales it's like a twist you'll love it but my mum likes actually the kind of shows you guys like as well but my mum likes like a lot of superhero shows and action things and also like a lot of scary stuff and I was like no mum mum I'm not watching this when you say a twist it's going to be really creepy and really scary I'm not gonna be able to watch it in the dark on my own so I just ignored her every time she said it um and then one like Saturday morning I was like would woken up super early was in bed with my iPad and I was like just scrolling through our, our cable app and I was like, oh, there's, that's the thing my mum mentioned. I was like, I'm just going to watch one episode. Like, if I don't like it, I'll just get up in 45 minutes time. So what? I watched it and I jumped out of bed. I ran into my parents' room. I was like, why didn't you force me to watch this? I was like, I was like, this, this hits differently than anything I've ever watched before. I'll come back to you when I've watched everything that I possibly can so far. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is amazing. Something in the first episode just switched. And I was like, that's it. I'm hooked. While most people discovered the series by watching it, for the Rizzo sisters, Lita and Marisa, they discovered Once Upon a Time in their own backyard. Uh, For those of you who don't know, um, we live like in Vancouver. Vancouver. So um, when it started, actually, we knew when they were filming the pilot. Um, Yeah, Um, because, uh, spoiler, uh, Regina's house, uh, her mayor house is in the the city we live in. Um, So, and she was, uh, they were filming at Regina's house and that house is like two or three doors down from our aunt. (laughs) I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah, I knew it was right local. Filming once where we just literally stood on her porch and just was like watching everything. And if we needed the bathroom break after watching, we just ran over to the house. Ran over to the house. Like summertime. summertime that they were filming and and it got picked up and we were like, okay. And then we didn't know it was gonna like take up so much of our <laughs> life. And take up our lives, it did. But not yet. At least not at the beginning. 
For the first two seasons, I considered myself a casual fan. I watched new episodes each Sunday. I was on Twitter, but I didn't really know what I was doing there. It was like the Wild West for me in 2011. However, things started to change when season three premiered. It was then that a new couple would emerge as my OTP. Emma Swan and Killian Jones, aka Captain Hook. I watched the season three premiere with a group of my friends in my college dorm at the time. And when Hook says, I fancy you from time to time when you're not yelling at me, I look around the room and I said, guys, it's happening. It's going to happen. And I had friends in there who were like, no, she's going to be with Neil. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I see this happening. The amount of satisfaction I had in telling (laughs) people I told you so, I shouldn't have been that excited about it, but I was so excited. I was like, this is it. I was right about something. Um, and I was right about them. For sure. Like that was a very specific time. I feel like in a lot of people's fandom universes was season three of Once Upon a Time. Cause that was like when the ship is really good and when it's, it's building up to something big and you like know it's happening and so many people are talking about it. And even if you're not watching the show, like if you're vaguely on Tumblr or Twitter, you know things are happening mm-hmm. about it. Like we were that fandom for a while. <laughs> it was it was the best time. Season three was the best time in that mm-hmm. fandom, mm-hmm. period. There were no Sunday scaries during that entire, you know, time period because Sunday was really fun because you were going to watch what was going to happen with Hook and Emma for the entirety of season three. It was great. This season three arc for Emma and Hook's romantic journey was everything and then some. The season three finale, nicknamed the Captain Swan movie, climaxed with Emma and Hook finally becoming a couple. Due to my excitement and passion, I found myself wanting to fangirl with others about it. Unfortunately, no one in my life had that same enthusiasm for the series. And that's when I discovered the Once Upon a Time fandom on Twitter. Here, one of my first friends on Twitter, Laura, recount her discovery of the fandom. When did you discover the Once Upon a Time fandom? Ooh, that was a fun day. So um, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, what happened was as the passion for the show grew, you know, you're, you're going around, you're like, oh, isn't that amazing? No one around you really cares. Because they see it's a show. It's nothing more than that. It's entertaining for that hour or whatever, but they move on. Um, I was just, this is so great. I want to talk to more people about it. There's nobody around me who I can talk to. So let's go on Facebook or I don't, I don't think I was on Instagram back then. Twitter. I didn't even know what Twitter was. I downloaded it for that reason, just to see, you know, what are the actors? What's going on? When's the next show happening? And then you start going, discovering what a hashtag is. I went from that. It's like, I didn't even know what anything was um, and started discovering, hey, these people know information what's happening, what filming, what, what's going on. So you kind of start getting involved then. And so after an episode, you hop online and you have all these people that are just as excited and geeked out and see things that you saw or didn't see. And 
Um, so that's kind of where that started. That's where the fandom started. All of a sudden you respond to one comment that you think is cool. And next thing you know, you're having a connection with a random stranger who lives across the world, who thinks the same as you do. Uh, so that's, it's very addictive just right from the beginning, especially if it's something that you're passionate about. You don't have anyone around you that you can really connect with. And all of a sudden a girl from across this, the nation can relate to you. And um, yeah, so that was really cool. That's such a great descriptor too. Like there was something really addictive about um, hopping into that space and finding like other people being as like equally passionate as you about this thing that no one else is around you is being excited over. And while Laura's story is similar to my own, I learned through my interviews that many people discovered the Once Upon a Time fandom first through Tumblr. In the early days of Tumblr, I discovered the fandom before like Twitter and other places. And I would like, you know, reblog little photos and stuff. I remember I was on Tumblr and I started theorizing about Hook and Emma and realized that there are other people out there that saw this like teeny tiny scene and decided I want these two to be together. And so that was my start. I was very active on Tumblr, reblogging all the things. Don't ask me to make anything on Tumblr. I will just reblog all the things and write all of the tag meta about it, but I will not create anything. <laughs> I will create words. Yeah, I was Tumblr because I already had a blog on Tumblr about True Blood. And I was like making edits and art. So I started following people there for Once Upon a Time fandom. For other fangirls, Once Upon a Time was their gateway into online fandom found on Twitter. I joined Twitter because um, a friend of mine at the time, who I unfortunately do not speak to anymore, um, was like, you need to be on Twitter so we can, so you can meet people um, who are interested in the show just like you are. And it was honestly my first introduction to fandoms as a whole, um, because I was still, you know, a fangirl, as you will, with a bunch of other shows and movies and stuff. But I was never involved in a community of people um, to talk to and to share ideas and theories and stuff um, until I joined Twitter. So the first time we were doing it was to find where they were filming during season two, I think, because once we realized that people were posting online when like the filming schedules were, we were like, oh, okay, we yeah. should get this information. Yeah. So, and I think like, um, so Marisa was young and we had this rule at our house where it's like, okay, well, if someone wants a social media account, then like, cause Marisa was young, we both have to do it. <laughs> my parents were like, Lena, you have to go on with her. And I was just like, okay. So that's where the two Italian sisters came from is that we we basically had to be on together yeah um because some people found us actually because we we didn't know they were filming in steveston until we watched like the season one bonus features and we're like oh my god it's in richmond it's in <laughs> richmond which isn't where we are it's probably about like 40 minute drive from where we are and we were like cool and we went to go see it and all the signs were still up and everything and then we took pictures and we posted them on twitter we got comfortable with being kind of like really on Twitter was like around season like four or five we were watching filming in Steveston and people actually came up to us and were like oh are you the two Italian sisters and we were like wait what 
That was the weirdest it thing. Was weird. Entering into the online fandom space is like stepping onto another planet. Don't get me wrong. I had been a fan of things in the past, but now there was like a whole new culture that I needed to learn. Fortunately for Lizzie from Fangirlish, she stepped into this fandom as a seasoned pro. So I have a lot of experience with fandom. So sort of when I like something, I sort of go into the fandom. Before I used to go into fandoms with a lot more innocence. Now I go into fandoms like I dip my toe in and I look around and I make three friends and then I meet their friends and I stay in the little corner of the fandom. Um, and I sort of did that once upon a time, but not completely. Like I still believe in the purity of fandom a little more um, back in the day. So I sort of went into fandom more. Um, and I, I think the more you go into fandom, any fandom, I don't even think this is necessarily just the once upon a time fandom. Every time you go deep into fandom, you get to the bad parts of fandom. Um, so I, I wasn't, like, I, I saw the bad parts of the fandom and then covering the show also exposes you to the bad parts of the fandom, even if you don't want to go near them. For me, it was not like that. I didn't know about the bad parts of fandom just yet. My only focus was learning to adjust to online fandom if I wanted to find friends and fit in. For instance, when I first joined the Once Upon a Time fandom, I had no clue what shipping was. The first time I heard what shipping was, I'm like, yeah. first, because Captain Hook was around, I was like, is this, some, is this like something to do with Hook? Like, is ship, shipping, ship, whatever. All of a sudden you start learning, like, Hashtags, what is a ship? I had no idea what a ship meant. A ship is something that floats on water, but and then there was a connection between two, what, what their ship name. And so definitely you start learning all these things as the fandom progresses, as your involvement progresses, I'd say it, it really is. It's a subculture, it's a social subculture where you start having your own lingo, your own languages. Like you could have a sentence where if someone were to read what you wrote, they'd be like, what, what are you talking about? I don't know. Yeah, it just this, it really is. It's a subculture and how you're supposed to act and what you do and what you don't do. And um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, it's really fascinating, but it's really easy to go um, full on from a spectator to just fully involved. And now all of a sudden you find yourself um, completely immersed and you didn't even notice. For those wondering, shipping is a term used to describe the want and support of a relationship between two characters. Some examples. Did you find yourself rooting for Pam and Jim from The Office? Congrats! You shipped them! Were you into the idea of Harry Potter and Hermione Granger being a couple? Congrats! You shipped that! For once upon a time, this series lived and died by the shipping community. It had so many characters that you could find yourself getting invested in and so many different character pairings that you could put together. For many of us, we were all aboard the Emma and Hook ship, aka Captain Swan, and we took ownership of that ship. Captain Swan. And yeah, before we get into it, I just want to say as far as like fandoms go with ship names, once upon a time really like sent the bar. The best. They have the best names. Like, <laughs> like every other fandom now, it's like 
minuscule compared to it's like. so sad and the thing is, is it's because like it was fictional like it was already stories that existed and so it was so easy because they're already like fantastical fun names like snow white and prince charming becomes snowing and i think that that was still like one of my favorites um and rumbell even sounded really cool like so many ship names in other shows are like weird mergers of like two letters three letters and like trying to make it sound cool um i still remember when adam and eddie tried to make hook em a thing for oh Captain gosh. Swan. <laughs> it was just like, no, stop. And they kept still hashtagging stuff and Captain Swan shippers were just like, no, it's Captain Swan. <laughs> we have decided. Yeah, I was too deep in that. <laughs> I went with the ship down, down, down. <laughs> we all went down with this ship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I used to say when I first started the Once Upon a Time fandom that I didn't just ship them. I luxury cruised them. Yeah. You yeah, know, I was, sure. I was in it. As mentioned earlier, a big reason why season three was a game changer for me as a fan was because of the storyline between Emma Swan and Killian Jones. There were a lot of great moments between those two, but there's one day that stands above the rest in the fandom as arguably the most memorable day. There was in season three, when they were in Neverland, there was like an Entertainment Weekly um, sneak peek of Emma and Hook kissing, which is kind of a big thing to reveal in a, you know, a sneak peek. But I just remember, I was, you know, sort of, you know, shipping them already, but not as much as I eventually would. And I just remember people going absolutely bonkers <laughs> over that. And it was just so fun. First kisses for couples on shows is a big deal. And they, they, there's channels that have lists about best first kiss of t television couples. And usually they're on there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're not number one because, you know, other shows are bigger and stuff. But I mean, I put them pretty high. And yes, I remember the sneak peek that dropped the, for the Emma and Hook kiss like it was yesterday. I was <laughs> at university, literally in a chair, like sc silently screaming as that was happening. The entire week of the Emma and Hook first kiss spoiler. I knew you were going to pick those. It's the greatest week I've ever had as yeah. a fangirl. It was the most fun I've ever had. It was the most united my social media feeds have ever been about anything from the day when Entertainment Weekly dropped the pictures and it was like, oh, this is happening. And then they dropped the sneak peek, which we all know is hotter than the actual kiss because there was no music involved. Like it was just, it was so good. And it was everyone being excited. And it was one of the rare times where even when we were spoiled for something, we watched the episode and we're still really excited about it. It was the best week in the fandom, like the best time I've ever had as a fangirl. Like that is still the pinnacle of like shared joy being like what fandom experiences are supposed to be about. <laughs> like I literally remember sitting in my Greek mythology class and on Tumblr, which was not supposed to be on, and I saw that picture and just remember what my dash looked like. It was the same picture constantly. And it was just pure joy. Like, I, I genuinely don't think there has been a time in fandom where a first kiss has done that since then. 
And I've had ships that I've loved even way more than Hook and Emma, but there was never been a moment like that in fandom where one picture just destroys everybody in the best way. Like in fandom and or in general, like I, I think everyone who's a captain's one tripper remembers the whole sneak peek with the first kiss. Like I, it feels like that was like a, a, sometimes you have days in fandoms that are like a collective experience and everyone's sort of collectively experiencing the same thing, even from wherever they are. And that day felt like one of those. Um, everyone was like the level of hype. Um, like, and then now I think, why did it release that? But considering the effect they had, maybe they were the smart ones, but you you wouldn't have normally spoiled something like that. But yeah, maybe maybe that's the, P, the right PR move. Because I remember that day, like the buzz of that day. But I think the one that lingers with me the most is uh, the day that EW posted the Captain's One Kiss. I was in class. I was on a field assignment in a cemetery recording tombstones. Uh, It was this one particular tombstone uh, that actually has the initials ML. Um, and I've always joked that it was my tombstone and that was literally the tombstone I was standing at when the Captain Swan kiss came out. Um, <laughs> I actually went back two years on the anniversary of the Captain Swan kiss pictures and took pictures there in that cemetery. Again, just saying like the depths of insanity that fandom can encourage. Um, but that was a day that was like completely unmarred nobody was talking about what trolls were saying everyone was just so happy there were so many like funny posts so many people wrote so many new fix based off of it there was like so much meta and so much excitement and everybody was like tweeting and posting and it was such a good day um and I think that day can only be rivaled by the Captain Swan movie (laughs) (laughs) that movie is literally the the ship that launched a thousand ships um because that was just like pure bliss and it was that bliss riding off the highs of season three that led me to being all in i created a once upon a time twitter fan account and to put it mildly my fandom engagement was high For me at that time, it was normal to spend all of my time online. I started like live tweeting when I was watching episodes because that was such a thing. Um, It's so funny to see how people interact with spoilers now. Like people get so mad about people live tweeting TV shows, but that was such a popular thing when Twitter was first like popular. Uh, It's such a funny change in just 10 years. Yeah, kids these days do not know how much like Twitter lived and died by the live tweet. It really did. Anything. Um, I think that's what made it so popular because people could engage with other fans, could engage with the actors who would sometimes live tweet what was happening, mm -hmm. directors, writers. It was such a fun, lawless land. (laughs) Live tweeting almost every episode, I think, is what I had done back in the day. But Now live tweeting is a thing of the past, but back in the day, children, there was a thing when everyone watched TV at the same time and we did a thing called live tweeting. (laughs) It's thread tweeting now more than like live tweeting. Yeah. You have to thread it. Thread it. Yes. (laughs) Oh man. What a game changer threading is. It's so great for us wordy people. (laughs) 
I was like with my my phone and tweeting and I was super engaged like it was something I was having a good time really I know I I like to discuss about uh what people think would happen to you know have someone to be happy with a nice spoiler or be worried with me that's something you know because when you're really a fan like really a fan there is some weight that you put on things that people from outside they don't really connect with you and it wasn't just enough to be a fan tweeting online you were involved in daily conversations writing fix, creating photo edits, theorizing set picks, and trying to get the attention of the cast and the crew. I was extremely active um, on Tumblr and Twitter. Uh, I wrote fic. Um, I, I guess I was a prolific fic writer. I don't know. It feels weird to say that. I wrote a lot of fics. Um, I think I wrote about 200 Captain Swan fics. I did graphics. I made a lot of graphics for friends fics. Um, I made a lot of graphics for my own fix. I've been making graphics since I was like really young. So that was just something that I carried into the Captain Swan fandom. I wrote a lot of meta. Um, I notoriously wrote a 10,000 word Killian Jones meta. Uh, it, it went into so much depth um, and I'm still really proud of that because some of my analysis ended up paying off. And I think it was season five. Uh, it was season four or season five, some of the stuff that I had theorized about his backstory, particularly with his brother, um, came through by just strokes of luck, I suppose. Um, I also would do ratings recaps um, midweek. I was really obsessed with ratings, but I was like super, super active online. Um, I didn't have much of a social life in college, um, just of my own choosing. So the internet was a big way for me to like interact and do stuff. At the time, it was like the thing to create like photo edits mm -hmm. where, where people were taking like screen captures of the show and like overlaying it with text and quotes and like making them all cutesy and stuff. Um, so I took up amateur photo editing. <laughs> So that <laughs> on my phone of all things, I didn't even do it on the computer. I did it on the on my phone. And so it just kind of moved to Twitter. So that's like what I ended up doing. I think that was probably the only thing I really changed about myself was like picking up this random skill to, <laughs> and to, to create these edits to share on Twitter. I just like remember all of our DMs because I think we had like a group, mm. group thing at one point and we were like, anytime Maurice and I were on set, we would send pictures through that and, give yeah. like, yes. and be like, this is what's happening. What do you think's happening? What's going on? And like all this stuff. And it was, it was great. That was definitely like a whole other side of Twitter. Like, like we all had each other and that was like the main part, but for sure, getting the attention of the cast, the writers, the creators, like all of that was definitely a, a big part of it too. Boom from Colin. It yeah. was like, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> And Jen and her 101 smiles, like her liking your 101 smiles is like a really big deal. Something else that was really big at the time were online polls. And it wasn't just enough to beat out another series ship. It was about letting everyone know that your ship was the best. I'll never forget the E! Online TV bracket of 2014. I spent so much time online voting, 
refreshing, and convincing other people to vote. Here's Manuela remembering that time. It wasn't the pools that we really like tried to win all the pools. <laughs> oh my God. That three computers at yes. the same time. <laughs> it was like three computers voting and asking for, you know, my students to vote and they don't even know, didn't even know what was that. Like they were like voting. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Your money geeks, Maggie, also remembers that time. At the time, she was a fangirl just like the rest of us. However, in my opinion, she gets extra credit for her part in trying to win that particular poll. I'll, I'll admit this. Um, if anybody from my school ever hears this, no, I did not do this. Um, I, <laughs> I, so <laughs> you know how people would come up with codes to run that would vote in the poll. It would refresh and it was a refreshing thing. Basically people use it to bid on stuff. It's, it's a super common code. Um, I downloaded it onto almost every computer lab on my campus and would go around daily and it stayed. I went back through and I deleted it off all the computers once the poll was over, but I had about 50 computers I monitored that I would keep the, the page up and it would, I would do it at the end of the like school day so that at night it would run because they kept the computers on, you know, great, great use of energy um, school that I went to, <laughs> but I would have it running all night. <laughs> If that is sad or if that's like one of the greatest accomplishments to I, I, that time. I would say that's quite the accomplishment. So you vacillate wildly about it. I'm like, was yeah. that insanity or like ingenuity? And as I was tweeting and participating online, I discovered it just wasn't enough to only engage in that way. I wasn't artistic enough to create gifts or tech savvy enough to win polls. I was searching for my place within the fandom. Even before I was all in the fandom, I became a big fan of a couple of writers who were able to bring such incredible analysis and depth to a series that I loved, and I wanted to write like them. So I started a blog and I wrote up all of my once upon a time theories every Thursday. I called it Theory Thursday. I found my place in the writing and reviewing corner of the Once Upon a Time fandom. And as a first time writer, I felt completely out of my league. But eventually I started contributing reviews to ScreenSpy.com. Together, Marianne from The Nerd Machine, Katie from Nerdy Girl Notes, Gisani from Marvelous Geeks, and myself created our own little writing community. Here's how my fellow writers started writing about Once Upon a Time. So the end of the, the second season is when I started getting more involved in the fandom. And um, I, then I discovered, you know, people writing like little metas and reviews and stuff. And I thought, well, let me try my hand at this. So I had already been writing articles here and there for um, the Nerd Machine, Zachary Levi's website, um, which no longer does that sort of thing. But at the time it did. And I thought, well, maybe I can try to do some reviews. And someone had actually already done 
reviews for the show, but it had stopped for some reason. So I said, well, let me try just like one for like the first half of season three. So it was like the first half of season three. I'm like, well, let me try writing this. And I liked it. So I just continued from there. I had started Nerdy Girl Notes the same year that I found Once Upon a Time. So I had been writing about sort of essays about random TV shows and then and books. And I wrote stuff about the Hunger Games. And then I finally decided we're going to jump into writing about TV like as a thing. I'm going to start with reviewing season finales. And I reviewed the season one finale of Once Upon a Time at NGN. And it was sort of like, oh, these other people that have visited my blog for other things watch this show too. Great, we can all talk about it. Like, this is nice. It's not just me screaming into the void like I was doing on LiveJournal. Like, this is nice. So the season one finale was when I started writing about it. And then season two, I wrote about it every week at Nerdy Girl Notes. But really, season three, Hook and Emma, when that started happening was when everything started happening it was like oh okay there's this whole other world and somehow they have found the things that I'm saying about this show and now I'm in it we're we're doing this so it was a lot of you know initially my fandom was like this little shoebox of just people I already knew and then it sort of became like oh this is much bigger than what I thought it was initially and like oh I'm meeting other people through this and I mean my engagement for it was pretty much I, I wrote about it every week at Nerdy Girl Notes. I think I had a few stop gaps in there where I didn't write about things because of work or whatever. But for the most part, it was definitely the show I covered the most. And then, you know, wrote various essays about various things to cover hiatus time because you got to do stuff during hiatus time because your brain is going crazy thinking about, you know, characters and theories and what's happening. So you got to get it out somewhere. I started reviewing it season three and I reviewed it until the end of season six I loved that period because it was like reading the new it was it was my newspaper mm-hmm. like getting on once mm-hmm. Katie's by the time that I had had my lunch Katie's review was up mm-hmm. Meredith was already up yep. and Marianne had her so it was like this whole thing of just like going around and like reading the reviews yes and thriving yep. yeah and we would all be excited about similar things, but we would all say them in like yeah. different ways. And mm-hmm. it was like picking up like, oh, you noticed this thing that I didn't notice. And it just would make me love like an episode I had already loved more. And it was like, oh, I have this like little community of people who get it. And it's just so great. <laughs> those were the good times. Those, those really were the good times. We made it good, ladies. Yeah, that was always the best. <laughs> yes. like, that, that's why I can't be too bitter. Because I'll remember these things and I'm like, but it brought me this and I would never trade that for anything. So here I was between 2014 to 2016, spending all of my time on Twitter, writing reviews about Once Upon a Time, and somehow focusing on schoolwork and a job eventually. Looking back now, I'm not really sure how I did it, but as a creature of habit, I fell into a routine in the Once Upon a Time fandom. Here's what it looked like, typically. We had quite a schedule. Like, it was like a rigorous weekly schedule. And I'm sure you all will remember this. So, like, for us, it would be, let's start Sunday. Sunday, you'd watch it. Sunday is, like, the day. Like, you drop everything else. 
it's once once upon a time day. Monday is usually when the uh, press release for the next episode would come out and uh, <laughs> maybe promo pictures, pictures, maybe. And Tuesday would be the, the rest of the promo pictures. Wednesday would usually be a sneak peek. Oh, the sneak peeks. <laughs> and, we, and we would battle with, are we going to watch it? Are we not going to watch it? Thursday, Friday, same type of thing. Maybe Saturday, yeah, maybe peaks. two sneak peeks. Saturday, we'd prep for Sunday. And somewhere in somewhere in there, you'd have thrown in like there was a trend attempt. Meredith yeah. would always have her like theories. People would have their reviews like on a Monday like evening after like we'd all talked about the episode. I'd be like Meredith's review, Marianne's review, Katie's review, like kind of going through and and kind of analyzing all of that as well so you had all of like the fandom content as well as like the official content I still sometimes miss like waking up on a Monday morning and looking at my phone and seeing a hundred notifications and being like I cannot look at any of these I have to watch the episode and then I've got to go through them and then I've got to text Meredith 5,000 things about what I've watched. <laughs> I think when it was just post episode Mondays and Tuesdays when everyone was just geeking out gifts everywhere fan videos new everywhere fill in ficklets like those were always monday and tuesday were just always good for once upon a time they were the best because i mean they were almost even better than sunday night after the episode aired because sunday night was like everybody like didn't know what to do with their feelings and it was Uh like monday like everybody had slept on it everybody had like processed it and like you said every social media feed had something different that you could take content wise. You could like, you know, get somebody's analysis on Twitter and then you could get some like fill and pick on AO3 and then you could, you know, pick up your, you know, gifts on Tumblr. And it was just, everybody was enjoying the same things at the same time. And it just, it was so much fun and it made it so much fun to write about. Like it never felt like stress. Like that was a good day in the fandom when I felt like I was just going to put my feelings out there and other people were going to have those same feelings and it was going to be really fun and no one was expecting you to sort of like turn their mood around because the episode stressed them out like it was like oh this is great it would be almost like a part-time job like without exaggerating sometimes a full i mean if it's sunday it's it's full-time you know we're working overtime over here um it was I mean, you'd go through, and it's a Monday through Sunday thing. I mean, it was, it was like a part-time job. I should have gotten paid for this. Um, I mean, you're posting every day. You're looking at, if it's a Monday, for example, you're looking at reviewing the past episode and posting things and connecting with people. Goodness gracious, your job was to make sure that these actors or producers or whatever noticed you or, oh my God, they liked my comment. It was like the best day ever um, to let's see what's being filmed next. Let's look at Easter eggs. Let's look overanalyze every single moment of the episode. You would think doing this for weeks on end would be exhausting. And eventually it would be. But for a time, the good days really outweighed the bad ones online. Every day there was something new to come back to. When did you know you were having like a good day in the fandom? When people would, you know, validate my editing skills, I guess, um, was always pleasant. Um, being able to get excited, sending texts or tweets to to people, or even just putting it out in the Twitter universe, how excited you got over a plot twist um, or something, and just, you know, yeah, a good day was just getting excited with other people. Absolutely. 
I think uh, fandom, a good day at fandom, I think any fandom is really when we, uh, as a group, because you have like sub fandoms, like sub groups of inside the fandom, of course, because you have like the ones that like more that, that character or the ship. So I think uh, there was times that everybody was happy because we were getting like a trailer. There was like little parts for everyone. And I think everybody got a little piece of happiness from because you like saw your two favorite people together and they are like sharing words or you know, touching themselves, I don't know. And everybody were happy and nobody were like complaining that they didn't get something. And I think a good day was like that. Like everybody was happy with something. You were focused on something that made you happy, not something that made you angry, you know, because there was a lot of drama. So renewal days were always exciting, great days. Whenever there would be a, like a script tease, every time Adam would post like a little script tease, um, regardless, like even if it wasn't Captain Spawn related, people are always just really excited, like theorizing stuff. Um, people would be trying to figure out based off set picks and like sneak peeks and like chronicalizing like what we thought the episode was going to be like, which I have never done again with another TV show. <laughs> I like actively try to avoid spoilers now, but I was so invested in spoilers that like I was right there in the thick of things trying to be like, no, no, no. I think this based off this costume piece or based off like something additional added to a costume, like I think this comes next. And like all of us trying to figure out episode structure was like so much fun. Um, anytime there was like a new interview with like Colin or Jennifer, like we were always so excited. Um, Anytime there are new set pictures, like set pics were always so exciting, um, except when people would be petty about them and like be like, if this post gets 500 likes, I'll post a new picture. Like, stop. Um, <laughs> um, but it was like, it was the thrill. Like there was such an excitement around things that I've never felt again for another TV show, which is probably for the best. Um, but I don't feel that same sense of like, joy over like renewals and stuff that I remember feeling then it was such a a different world it was just coming coming getting online and like not even getting online getting messages from people who got online before you I remember getting messages from people like all caps like get online and then um like through getting online quickly and just like you wouldn't even have time to process what was going on before there was something else and then you were screaming about it and there were like 50 different groups of people screaming to you about the same thing and you were all screaming to all of them even though you were literally screaming the same thing because you weren't even coherent during the screaming you were just like did you see me like that was super exciting um and i i also thank you for shippers there's this thing that happens that when you get a moment like this you get a day like that it feels like validation um, that makes people super excited because I was right. This was the 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 end of the puzzle. This is what they were going for. Um, so there's also a level of satisfaction that I cannot even explain or even understand to this day to be right. Um, that I think people misinterpret as I'm happy that someone else was wrong. 
but I don't even think it has anything to do with anyone else. Like when you're happy for your ship, it has nothing to do with other ships. It has to something to do with the fact that you were reading the situation correctly. And that makes you like, as like, I was seeing the clues in the storytelling. I knew where it was going and see, I was right. And it's, it's kind of personal. And like, you just need the validation from the people who are right with you. Why did you stay involved in the fandom as long as you did? You know, it's it's fun to watch a show on your own, you know, but when you're involved with a show with other people, I don't know, it just enhances your experience because you can bounce ideas back and forth and and you you think, oh, someone else out there is like me. They love this as much as me and you don't feel so like isolated and it's just a, it's just a, I don't want to say it's a better experience because you can have fun watching a show on your own, but it's just a different experience that I really, really liked it. And I couldn't imagine watching the show without having that mm-hmm. looking back. It's hard for me to explain that to a friend that is not in the fandom. So, mm-hmm. so it's really nice to connect with people that think uh, the same as you, don't judge you, they just feel exactly what you feel, the, ex- the excitement, the fun. It's the same level of happiness when you see a kiss or like sad photo that is pixel and you can see there, they're like holding hands and it's just the smallest thing in the world. And uh, so uh, I think it's, I try to connect with people so I could share this feeling that I knew that was not easy to find outside the internet. I had like a couple of friends that watched some once upon a time, but was not the level I was into the the TV show. So it was really was was really nice. And I think everyone has like problems and things to deal with in real life. So when you also have like this escape, this place that is a safe place that is not even like the safest because you have conflict and some things are toxic and things like that but it's also another place different from the problems that you have in your real life so it was very nice to have this thing in my life during that time in my life I would say like before I started watching once I was a bit of a life crossroads it kind of like a going into your late 20s everybody's like diverging on different paths like what's what's your path and like losing friends because people are taking a different routes in life and all these things and I actually feel the opposite I felt like the online fandom I was like this this is me like I I can be more me with these people that I've never met before than I feel like I can be with some of my friends right now and so like I actually felt like I was being a more authentic version of myself and doing that day in day out for a long time I think made me a more authentic version of myself in person What Philippa just said sums it up really well. Once Upon a Time came at a time in my life, as well as a lot of other fangirls' lives, where there was a lot of transition. And from a series about hope, fairy tales, and happy endings, I found a community where I could be known by others who were feeling the exact same as me from all over the world. What can I say? It was magical. Coming up in part two, the fandom meets in person. 
I look back on different fan experiences and conventions during the heyday of Once Upon a Time. Plus, some more insight into what going to set actually looked like in Vancouver. Be sure to check that out. As always, you can follow me at Meredith Loftus on Twitter and Instagram, and don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Fangirl Forum Pod. If you like my podcast at all, please give it some love on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Seriously, I don't know why I haven't been asking that for a while now, but you know, I'm doing it now. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day.